1: It's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter, powered by Windy City, Gridiron, and SB Nation. Bill Zimmerman with you, and, well, the Chicago Bears snatch defeat from the jaws of victory against the Detroit Lions. A lot of mixed reaction from Bears fans here because we've reached the point of the season where the Bears collapse is so bad that some Chicago Bears fans are rooting for the Bears because they just can't root against their team. And other Bears fans are rooting against the Bears because they want a better draft pick because they see no hope for this team. So I understand on both sides. I'm not gonna get in the way. I'm not gonna either, there's no right or wrong way to approach the, the rest of the season as a Bears fan. So I'm not gonna get in the way of Bears fans if they wanna root four wins or root four losses because that's where we are with this organization. Lester Wildfong the big boss man of Windy City Gridiron, the chief editor. He's gonna be coming along here in a few minutes to talk about the Bears. We're gonna talk offensive line, as we always do with Lester. We'll talk a little Lions, a little Texans, but we're also gonna talk about what this Bears organization needs to do moving forward, because at this point, you cannot sit here and expect Nagy, Pace, Phillips to expect that trio to be back. It's just it's just not going to happen. now. Ted Phillips is, quote unquote, potentially retiring at the end of the season. We've seen some reports about that. That certainly seems to be a way, a a nice soft parachute that George McCaskey is going to give his friend rather than fire him. You know, Phillips, I think, is in his 60s. It's a really easy way to say, Ted, why don't don't you go away so we can bring in a, a new team president. I've seen some fans say, no, that's not good enough. He needs to be fired and he needs to be fired publicly. So everyone knows that this, you know, the organization is not going to stand for this. And and I get that feeling from Bears fans, that frustration that's just bubbling over. But at the same time, if they make the move, make the move. I I don't care what the PR is in terms of how that move is made. Just make the move so you can move forward. But here's what I'm going to say about making that move. If, if that's what they're doing, if Ted Phillips is going to quote unquote retire, then he needs to retire right now. We don't need Ted Phillips to retire in January. We don't need Ted Phillips to retire in February. We need Ted Phillips to retire now because that replacement needs to be made. I, you know, I'm hearing things about Pat Fitzgerald as the next head coach. And look, Maybe that's gonna happen, but here, here's the bottom line. There is a hierarchy to the hiring. If all three guys are gone, if all three guys are gone, then the first guy that needs to be hired is the president because the president needs to hire the GM and then the president and the GM need to hire the head coach. You're not gonna hire Pat Fitzgerald as the coach, then bring in a GM or a president. That's not how this works. That's that's not how you structure an organization. Now. You can say the Chicago Bears would do that because that's what the Bears do. Fair point, I'm not gonna argue that, but that's not how they're gonna do this. They're gonna, if they're gonna, if they get rid of all three guys, which I'm not sure they're going to do, but if they get rid of all three guys, I think you have to replace Phillips first. You just have to, and it can't just be, you know, promoting a guy from within the organization like they did with, Ted Phillips is an accountant. Don't forget that. Ted Phillips is an accountant who was promoted and eventually got team president. And then suddenly you've got an accountant trying to make football decisions. And we can hear all we want about how Ted Phillips isn't involved in football decisions, but Ted Phillips is involved in one football decision. And that is hiring the general manager. That's a huge football decision. So, we could sit there and say that fine, Ted Phillips isn't in the war room deciding who they're going to take with the first round, with their first round pick. But Ted Phillips is selecting the guy who will make the decision on who they're selecting with their first round pick. So, he's involved in, in, in the football you know, structure. He's involved in football decisions because he has to make that decision. Now, again, Eventually that decision is is George's decision, George McCaskey's decision on who will be the president, but it doesn't change the fact that he and Ted Phillips are going to sit down and make that decision together. And that's a problem. You need a president who understands how football operations need to be structured and what a good football president can do. That's, it's, it's it's not difficult. It's really not difficult, football people need to hire football people. Ted Phillips is not a football person, George McCaskey is not a football person. They can't be making football decisions. So they realized that five years ago and they brought in Ernie Accorsi. Now Ernie Accorsi's recommendations obviously haven't worked out, but at least they understood that they needed help from a football guy. But it doesn't change the fact that it's not working. So they need Ted Phillips to go away now. So they can spend the next three weeks finding a team president. So when week 17 is has arrived, that GM is hired January 5th, basically, and then they can look for a head coach. If they wait and they don't do anything until team president until January, then there's a trickle down effect of that president not getting hired till the first week of January, the GM not getting hired till the second week of January and the head coach potentially being hired like the third week of January. And suddenly those t- there's not a lot of great head coaching options out there in my opinion. You're going to have a lot of them, you know, snatched up the first week or so of the se- of the off season. So it would be so bears to wait on everything and to lose out on some potentially some really good candidates. So the whole situation here is 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 bizarre. And the bottom line is I still don't trust this Bears organization to get rid of all three guys. And let's let's say Phillips is gone and they bring in a president. I don't know who that president's gonna be, but could George McCaskey say, well, we wanna keep Ryan Pace or we wanna keep Matt Nagy? Absolutely that could happen. Absolutely that presidential spot could come with some, you know, some uh, restrictions as to what they can do in the first year. Well, you have to keep Ryan Pace around for a year. Well, you have to keep Matt Nagy around for a year. Maybe you have to keep both of them around for a year. I, I don't know what the thought process is going to be, but theres it sets up right now for the Chicago Bears to replace their president, GM, head coach, and quarterback all in the same off season, bring in a new regime and start everything fresh. It's right there. Foles, yeah, Foles is probably going to be around next year. Fine. It's one more year. You can get out of Foles contract after two years. It's one more year with Foles. If he's your backup quarterback, you'll live. It's fine. If Foles is your bridge, cause you drafted a quarterback and you know, if you draft Trey Lance, he's probably not going to be ready right out of the gate. So you keep Foles around, fine. Like that. that's, that's really not a big deal, but not going all into this, signing Mitch on a one year deal, keeping Nagy around because he still has two years left on his contract and you want to give Nagy one more year or keeping pace, whatever they might do, if they don't just sever all ties, is just the wrong decision to make. And unfortunately, I think it's distinctly possible that the Bears make the wrong decision because there's just precedent for for them doing that. There's precedent for bringing in a GM and saying, ah, no, you gotta keep the coach for another year. It, It just, this organization drives you nuts and they have an opportunity. They have a really good opportunity to start fresh. And who knows if they're gonna get the right, if they're gonna make the right decision, but at least there's the opportunity there to not do it in a messy way. And I just don't know if the, if the Bears are gonna do it. I, I just don't know if George McCaskey has it in him. Every player, everyone in that organization basically tell you the same thing. If you take them out for beers and get them off the record, they'll tell you the same thing. George is a great guy, he's a great boss. They all love George McCaskey, but they all know he is not a knowledgeable football guy. He understands the game like a fan understands the game, but the intricacies, you know, breaking, you know, he just doesn't understand football at that next level. He just doesn't, he's a fan. He admits it. George knows this about himself, but he admits it. And the problem with George not being a football guy, and Ted Phillips not being a football guy is Ryan Pace, who needs to be fired. I have been a supporter of Ryan Pace for a lot over these last you know five years or so, but Ryan Pace needs to be fired. Ryan Pace put together a very good defense. Ryan Pace continues to add well to that defense a la Jalen Johnson. Mingo was a great pickup. So Pace continues to prove that he knows how to structure a defense and make a very good defense. Ryan Pace has ignored the offense. When Ryan Pace has addressed the offense, he did it poorly. Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, there's not a lot of other exciting pieces that this offense has, has has put together over the last few years. You know, a couple decent offensive linemen with Whitehair and Daniels. He just hasn't addressed the offense sufficiently enough, and what he has addressed has, hasn't worked out. He's kicked a lot of money down the road to try and sign some other guys like Robert Quinn. Danny Trevathan, he really... And Dan Drey, that I think he kicked money down the road for two or three years. So Ryan Pace needs to go. But here's what I'm gonna say about that. While I sit here and stand here and say, the Bears need to replace Ryan Pace, I don't trust the Bears brass to find a general manager better than Ryan Pace. So I think in the careful what you wish for, and again, I'm not saying Pace should stay but careful what you wish for, because there is a distinct possibility that whatever George McCaskey decides to do this off season, it'll be worse than it currently is. I know that's always a possibility when you replace people, when you replace the head coach, or when you replace the general manager, but there is a chance it can get worse. And I'm not saying Lovey Smith, if he was still the coach for several years after he got fired, things would have been different for the Bears, but Lovey Smith goes 10 and six. And gets fired and it was an awkward situation for Phil Emery he came in he had to keep Lovey for a year it, it was a problem I'm not saying that wasn't a problem and that's what the Bears do they make structural decisions that are poor but the fact of the matter is when Lovey got fired at 10 and six there were a lot of Bears fans who were kind of sick of the Lovey team good defense not enough offense just not enough to get over the top you love very soft-spoken I think a lot of Bears fans are like, I I want a new coach. And I remember telling a lot of guys, and again, I'm not saying I get everything right. I definitely don't, as as you guys know if you listen to me enough. But I always said, careful what you wish for. Lovey's a good coach. Careful what you wish for. There's no guarantee that Lovey is going, the the replacement for Lovey is going to be better. Now, what's funny about that is they replace him with Mark Dressman. The team got worse the year after Lovey. You may not realize it. They got worse. They won less games than they did the year before. But because the Bears had a good offense, Mark Tressman, his offense worked well in year one. Because of that, Bears fans were excited and thought the Bears were were, 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 were on the rise. The Bears got worse. There was always a disconnect there. Tressman made them worse from one year to the next. And it wasn't because they were rebuilding. It was the same team and they got worse. And then of course the second year, the bottom fell out. So careful what you wish for. And I'm not saying we need to keep pace. I'm not saying we need to keep nagging, but do you trust George McCaskey to make this a top-notch organization like the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Baltimore Ravens? I don't. And therefore, if and when they make these moves, I will not trust them. Now, again, we'll see what they do. But when they're searching in December, January, whenever it might be, for the next team president, I do not trust George to make the right move to improve this organization. I just don't. When we get back, Lester and Windy City Gridiron joins us. This is Bears Banter. Bill Zimmerman will be right back. All right, welcome back into the podcast. Very excited for our guest today. He is the big boss man from Windy City Gridiron, Lester Wilfong. He joins us now. Lester, Bill Zimmerman, how are you? Doing good, Bill. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. I'm doing better than the Bears. I I don't think there's too much reason to spend too much time on the Detroit game. But uh, let's talk about it for a minute here because the Bears certainly impressed with their ability to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. (laughs) They had a 99.3% chance, I think, of winning with about, whatever, four minutes to go or so. Lose the game.
2: Let's just kind of get your overall reaction to the conclusion of that football game. You know, I think that game went like a lot of us kind of thought it would. I mean, I, I think most of us at the site all picked the Lions to win the game. Um, it just the way the Bears has been playing the, the last few weeks has been atrocious. The, the funny thing is this week, the the offense finally showed some life. Then the defense, of course, you know, you know, they, they just crapped the bed there. So, I, I mean, if, for fans that are hoping for the tank, they're hoping for the draft pick, this had to be a perfect game. The Bears looked pretty good most of the game, and then they lost it at the end. So I guess that's the way it goes.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the, the Bears lost. For, for those who wanted a victory like your dog, you just you know, yes. I have no, no hope but to cry cry this <laughs> one out because that, that one was rough. And, you know, I, as I always do, I'll get into some offensive line with you. I want to get into some big-picture stuff first but the one thing that I don't think enough people looked at is despite coward finally going to the bench and the offensive line looking significantly better. If you were a bears fan that wanted a victory and I understand you could sit there and say losses are better at this point for draft position, but there's still plenty of fans out there that just aren't going to cheer against the bears. And I'm not going to fault them for that, but coward only played on special teams, that extra point. (laughs) Was his fault. The blocked extra point, he got blown up. They went right through him, blocked the extra point. If that doesn't happen, and that extra point goes through the uprights, they're down three. So when Allen Robinson has the brain cramp and goes out of bounds to create fourth and one, the Bears can kick the field goal and go to overtime. So
2: even when he's on the field for, I don't know, seven <laughs> or eight snaps,
1: Rashad Coward still managed to blow the game for the Bears. How about that?
2: You know, he has been, I, I know I've talked to you a lot about this in the past, you know, he has been one of the worst Chicago offensive linemen I've seen in my entire life of being the Bears fan. I'm going back to Jamarcus Webb, Frank, Frank, uh, gate 68 there. You know, he is just, I mean, kudos to him for trying to make a position change, but it's just not working out. He, he looked bad last year. I was a little bit surprised the Bears brought him back. It was a, 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 a RFA deal. So it wasn't a lot of money, you know, but. You know he can't be your first O lineman off the bench. You know there's just no way that that could happen, and that's you know you have to look at that, and that's Ryan Pace's fault. That's how Pace designed this team, and then I think with Coward, I think it took took the Bears a while to kind of trust uh, Sam Mustard and Alex Barger to put him into place. But but honestly, after after one game of Coward this year, I saw enough. Whether it was right guard, right tackle, his technique is sloppy. He's not powerful enough to make up for his lack of technique. He's just, he's just not a good offensive lineman. He, he just, I hope I never see him on the bears again. Yeah. It's, it's and look. And, and
1: I understand where you come from saying I didn't want him to come back because he was bad last year. And he was, if they wanted to get him a little more development and bring yeah. him back, I'm okay with that. But like you said, ol6 to be the first guy up you know and and you're going to adjust your offensive line to get coward on the field that makes no sense to me look i've said it multiple times on this podcast to me if a Fetty was your ol6 and you actually brought in a legit guard to start this year that that would have been the move to make and while the bears offensive line has been awful and they they you know they allow defenses to tee off on falls they couldn't get the the running game going a lot of that I think was significantly worse when Coward was on the field, but you know, and I've said this multiple times as, as, as well. When your four, you know, they they went with nine offensive linemen out of the gate for their first fifty-three. When your four backup offensive linemen are a UDFA you converted from defensive line, a second-year UDFA, a seventh-round rookie. And a second round pick who was a bust just coming off a rookie deal that who knows who else would have given Spriggs a shot. When those are your four guys, they actually performed exactly how you'd expect those <laughs> guys to perform.
2: Yeah, I mean, like like I, I like your plan. I mean, if, if 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 a fatty was your was your backup, I mean, he he wasn't bad at right guard earlier this year, but again, he's still nothing special. And and they were you know, there were better guards on the market at the time. And then there were better guards came available during the season. But for whatever reason, you know, Ryan Pace thought this team was fine where they were. Uh, I think if you had had a Fetty as your swing guy, I mean, he, he, he's been at right tackle the last few weeks. And, and again, he's not a very good tackle. He was bad in Seattle at tackle, but he's better than what the bears had there with Spriggs better. What the bears had there with coward. So if, if Fetty would have been your, your swing guy to kind of come in and play a few spots, that's fine. But again, as a starting guard, when other better players were available, that's a that's a that's an indictment on pace.
1: Yeah, and, and it, it's an indictment on everyone overall. Because again, and again, I understand I, we're not going to spend the whole time on Rashad Coward, but <laughs> the fact that when he finally got benched and moved to the bench, and he was still on the active roster when they brought in Cush, and Cush is sitting there on the practice squad. I'm not saying Cush is the is an amazing offensive lineman, but you cannot convince me in any way that Ek Kush, whoever, h- however good he is at this point is worse than coward. I don't understand how that move wasn't made immediately. So, uh, you know, it's not just the, the structure of the offensive line and, and, and other parts of this team. It's about how, and whatever it, whether it's a collaboration between pace and Nagy, paces, decisions, Nagy's decisions, you know, position coaches, if they're, they're making decisions, whatever the collective thought is at Hallis hall, on what they're doing moving forward. Like you said, after one game, you saw enough from coward, get him out of there. You know, Lawrence Holmes last week on the podcast says, you know, that, that defenses were, were keying off on coward because, you know, as two guys who played offensive line at obviously low levels, even in those low levels, like high school, you know that you have to have a balanced stance. You can't put your way too far forward on runs. You can't put your way too far forward, you know, on uh on pass pro and they were using coward stance to tee to tee off, to know whether it was going to be a pass or a run, which puts the entire offense behind the eight ball with an offense that can't be behind the eight ball because they don't have enough talent anyway. So whatever the thought process is to keep him on the field, to not bring cushion last week that over and over again, the questionable decisions that they've made in season with personnel just continues to boggle my mind.
2: Yeah, I think it's a, uh, you know, I'm wondering is it a loyalty thing with the Bears? I mean, are they just loyal to Coward because even he, you know, he's been there for a few years. He agreed to the position switch. Um, I mean, if that's the case, again, that, that's 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 not how you run a franchise. I mean, it's just it's just mind-boggling how, how they stuck with a guy so long that had some of these issues. And like you mentioned, a guy like Kush who comes in off the street. I mean, you know, from from a physical standpoint, you know, he had some injuries in the past, but you know, he played. I think you know. He started, I think, eight or nine games last year, coached did in the NFL. And he's a competent backup guard. That should have been where you turn to. I'm not sure what, what again, you know, it all comes back to how they constructed the offensive line. And and the way it was constructed originally, you know, you could not afford any injuries, you know. And right. then, of course, the Bears had, had a few with Daniels. Um, and, and and it just really, you know, everything went to a tailspin after that. But, you know, this team, the way it was constructed, you had to have perfection up front, and the Bears didn't get it.
1: All right, so let's let's switch over here to end of season firings. Are you one hundred percent on board with not
2: only Nagy and Pace, but Phillips needing to go as well? Yeah, I think I think the key is Phillips. I mean, I, I think I think at this point it's 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 much PR as it is what's actually going on in the football field. I mean, the Bears is there anyone that likes Ted Phillips that is not involved in the actual organization? I mean, from, from the outside, looking in, you know, fans, you know, other people in the media, you know, the whole Phillips thing, no one gets it. Yes. He he's, he's more of of the finance side. You know what, then if, if you really like him in that role, then then make that his title, you know, put him in charge of finance, you know, but I just think at this point, you know, I don't trust George McCaskey to make the right call. I don't trust Ted Phillips to make the right call. You need to bring someone in that can, Restructure the entire organization because, you know, bringing a consultant in and, and doing what he what, what that guy tells you to do the last time with with a Corsi, I mean that was fine. That shows that you at least don't trust your own decision making process. But you know this is still who's in place now. It's still George. It's still Ted. So you got to get someone here that knows how to run a football team and let them do their job.
1: Yeah, and look at this point. You know, just focusing on Ryan Pace alone. He's missed wildly too many times on offense, not just Trubisky, but you know, there's, there's multiple parts of this offense. He ignored the offensive line. We were just talking about it. You know, there's, there's too many misses on offense. That's brought the offense to to where it is. And we can talk about his ability to bring in defensive talent, whether through the draft, whether keen guys on free agency. I mean, look, Akeem Hicks was not who he was when he brought him in pay, saw something in him and, one of the few guys that Belichick actually wanted to keep and lost. That doesn't happen to Bill Belichick, but credit to pace. He, he wooed Hicks away from the Patriots, got him in the bears. So there's plenty of good moves he made defensively, but at this point with pace, with the misses on offense, with a lot of the contract structures, which, you know, are really kind of, you know, I don't want to say terrifying, but it's not a good look, you know, for years down the road, with some of the money he's punted, you, you, you absolutely back, back behind the bus of, of firing Ryan Pace. But I'll also say this. I don't trust George McCaskey to find a general manager better yes. than Ryan Pace. And I'm not saying Ryan Pace is, 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 Ozzie Newsome, but I don't trust what the bears currently have, unless they bring in a president that understands organization and, and how to construct a football, you know, a football operations department. I don't trust McCaskey to bring in someone in pace.
2: Someone better yeah, than Pace. Yeah, I mean, you hear the term, you know, football guy thrown around, around quite a bit. But honestly, that's what this team needs. I mean, they need someone up top like that. You know, I, I hear a lot of fans ask for a guy like Peyton Manning. Uh, uh, the Ravens, Ozzie Newsome is a guy that's brought up a lot, you know. And, and you know, I'm not sure, you know, what direction they're going to go. But, but you got to have a guy that's in that president role that understands – you know, football and, and you got to have him, you know, you got to task him with finding the GM and the GM is tasked him with finding the head coach. You know I mean? I, I still like Matt and Aggie. I think, you know, if the situation was a little different, I think he would have a little more success here, you know, but, but at this time it is what it is, you know, Pace and Aggie and Phillips, you know, they have to clean house and they have to rebuild the whole uh, the whole structure there.
1: All right. So of those three guys, and, and I have a feeling based on what you just said, I know what you're going to say, but of those three guys, if I said there's only one guy you have, there's one guy you have to keep in the organization. And there's one guy that I can, you can guarantee will leave the organization. Who's the guy that 100% out of those three, you'd say, all right, let's keep him. And who's the guy, 100% you said, this guy has to go for sure.
2: You know, if I got to keep one and, and the way the bears operate, that's something that, that just may happen. Um, <laughs> I think, the, I think the bears, uh, if it was me, I would keep Maggie. Um, at at least for a year to kind of see what happens here. But, but you got to get a a new GM and you got to get a new team president. And then if I have to let one of those guys go, I mean, it's, again, it it comes down to the top. It's gotta be Phillips. I mean, I don't trust George McCaskey like you do. I don't trust him to make the right call. You know, you gotta, you know, it's, it's his team, you know, it's, he's the chairman, you know, but, but the the qualities of leadership is knowing what you don't know how to do, you know, he, 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 you know, he's McCaskey by name, you know, it's, it's his franchise by name he has to understand he doesn't know what he's doing as far as, as far as the the football field goes. So bring a guy in here that you trust, you know, you know, you you pay him handsomely and you say, Hey, get the Chicago bears back where they need to be because we are, we are a, a premier franchise in the NFL. We deserve to be on top. Let's get back on top.
1: All right. Second part to that question, knowing how well you know the bears organization if there was one guy out of those three you think the Bears would keep, who is it?
2: <laughs> this it's, is such I'll, a, I'll just tell you.
1: I think it's Ryan Pace. Yes. You know, I, I, how much George like? I, 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 I think it, it's yeah. Ryan Pace. I,
2: I, I think I think something's going to happen with Ted Phillips. I know there's some rumors out there where he you know, he, he, he may retire. Um, if that's the case, you know that's that's perfect. But then it, it will be such a Bears move to then have Ryan Pace be the new team president. I just see that something that, that's, <laughs> that's such a Bears thing to do, you know, put him in charge of the, of the team as far as the president goes, you know, put him in, in, in that Theo Epstein role. But, you know, he, he obviously hasn't shown enough to where he, where he would warrant that move. But that just seems like such a Chicago thing right there.
1: Like, couldn't you see Phillips retire? Pace gets promoted. They keep, you know, they keep Kelly. They promote him. They're like, all right, let's see what he can do. And then maybe Nagy gets fired. they bring in a new coach. And
2: oh, now
1: you're sitting there. Pace is going to bring in another quarterback. You could absolutely see it happen.
2: You know, the, this team, I mean, the, at the end of the day, it's come down to Pace screwing up in a quarterback spot. I mean, if he would have took Watson or Mahomes, you know, back then, you know, if, if he would have just, you know, stayed at three and, and took the guy that was there for him, you know, things would be a lot differently you know, things with the, the, narrative route, the narrative around what he's done as a GM would look a lot differently, you know, because, you know, getting the right quarterback, that elevates an offense, you know, he, you know, it makes everyone around him look better. I mean, with, with the Texans, I mean, if, I mean, if, of course the Holmes thing is different, he's just on another level, but you look at Watson, I mean, he has made that offense better. I mean, he's the reason, you know, that they are, you know, looking decent these last few weeks. I mean, the, the team overall is not good, but what he's been doing has been, you know, he's playing at, at, at a Pro Bowl level. You know, he is just the guy that, you know, he should have been the pick all along. But, of course, that's a, that's a long other story for the Bears and Ryan Pace and the, and the Toyota Camry.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I think, look, and, and we know this is a team sport. And, yeah, you do need to have, you know, 22. I mean, you really need 53, but you need plenty of, of capable football players but I, I, think, I think plenty of Bears fans get this, but I do think there's some Bears fans and, and probably around the league that don't still quite understand the importance of the quarterback position. And, you know, you sit there and say, oh, well, if, if the, you know, you hear this, if the offense was better, if the defense was better, they could elevate Trubisky or they could elevate Foles or they could elevate Bray or they could elevate Cutler. We've, you know, Grossman. We've heard this for so long about how the rest of the team should be able to elevate the quarterback. But the fact is, when you look at the best quarterbacks in the NFL over the last several years, so you know, when you're talking about Brady and you're talking about Rodgers and you're talking now Mahomes and, and Roethlisberger and, and Breeze and that, that Wilson, that whole group, those seven, eight quarterbacks, the fact of the matter is, is, those teams every year are expected to make the playoffs. When people put out their playoff predictions, those teams, at least 90% of them, if not 100% of them, are expected to be in the playoffs because the quarterback position. The the best quarterback in the league, I would say, that isn't always assumed to be in playoff contention is Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan is still a guy who's been in the playoffs a bunch, has reached a yeah. Super Bowl, you know, had had a championship, you know, ripped away from him by Brady and Belichick. Ryan is a good quarterback who gets his team in the playoffs a bunch. That's that's the level. So you're talking borderline top 10. That's the level of quarterback that you have to be at to not even be just assumed to be in the playoff picture. If you have a quarterback that's, that's elite and that's very good, it just elevates the whole team to the point where you can have a below average roster, but if you have Russell Wilson, you're a playoff contender.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's only a few elite guys every season. I mean, if you look at quarterbacks, you have the guys that are elite that can elevate an entire offense. Then you have kind of guys that are kind of in the middle of where or what they do complements what happened. You know, those guys need a little help here and there. Then you have other guys like like we're talking about where they need everything perfect in order to play well. You know, if if that's who you have on your roster you need to keep looking for your quarterback. That's not your guy. And then we've seen that in Chicago for, for, for a, a long time. Now, you know, the bears need to have a perfect O line, a perfect running back. You know, they have to have a, 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 the, no drops from the receivers. You know, if, if this is what you need for your quarterback to play just at an average level, then you got the wrong quarterback, keep drafting them, keep looking for them, you know, keep bringing guys in, you know, you have to turn to the bottom part of your roster looking for, for, for a decent quarterback, until you know you have your guy again there's only a few of those top guys ever at once in the nfl you know if you if you get that guy great you know but at at this point as bears fans you know i just want a guy that can come in and 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 compliment what's happening around him because we haven't seen that in 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 our lifetime
1: (laughs) really exactly the quarterback's always been the complimentary position i mean and, and i bring this up all the time you know it, when I look at the court, I think it's pretty obvious to me the top three quarterbacks in the history of this organization is, is Luckman and then McMahon's two and Cutler's three. And yeah. McMahon and Cutler both proved that while they were good complementary pieces to the team, that's what they were. They were they were complementary yeah. pieces. They weren't they weren't, you know, the, the key pieces to, to this team to, to catapult them to the next level like you said, our entire lifetime, that's, that's what they've had.
2: It's, and if you look at, if you look at the current group of the bears, I saw a stat on Twitter where, where Mitch Trubisky now is the all-time uh, passer rating leader. I know that stats kind of, you know, officiate to begin with, but, but as far as the bears go, he, he just uh, became the bears all-time passer rating leader in the franchise. Instance. Yeah, and, and
1: and look, and here's, here's the truth about Trubisky. And if he throws for, I think a thousand yards, the rest of the way, maybe 900, he's going to be fifth all-time in passing yeah. yards. So, there's plenty of, you know, milestones. Trubisky's going to reach here as a quarterback. And look, Mitch Trubisky is what he is. He's a four-year, in essence, starter that didn't work out, lost his job, and is going to leave, leave the organization, which means he was not good. He was not good enough. But I don't think there's any way you can argue that Mitch Trubisky is not one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the history of this,
2: this franchise. Oh, for period. sure. I mean, if it, it just, you know, the numbers, you know, what, what he's done, I mean, he's, you know, he has his words, obviously as, as a, as a quarterback, but you know, for a while, there, I mean, he's, he's, he's pretty much been all the, ha- all the bears have. And, and, you know, this is a, uh, again, it, it, I think that says more to the franchise as a whole than what it says to Trubisky's talents. Cause I mean, I like Trubisky. I, I, I wish he could have been the guy I wish he would, he would, he would have, have been the guy that, that took the next step as a player, you know, but again, you know, here we are four years in and, you know we haven't seen the consistency from him. I mean, he has he has four weeks to really come out there and show what he has. I'm not sure many of us are expecting him to do too much. It would be great if he if he would do it though.
1: Yeah, look, and I know a lot of Bears fans think I'm just pure Trubisky hate, but the fact is, I was completely behind this guy until about the Saints game in 2019. Yeah, and I, and I gave up on him, and, and there's nothing that's happened other than a couple pretty good performances to change my mind on that at all over the last, you know, year plus now, since, since that game, it, it is what it is. He's a great guy. He's a hard worker. He's a great teammate. Everyone around Hallis Hall loves the guy. He, you know, he's the type of guy you'd love to lead your franchise for 10 or 15 years. It didn't happen. Bears need to move on. Bears need to draft a quarterback. So before uh, we get into some offensive line stuff with you, the defense, let's talk about them briefly because the offense has been so bad that, you know, the conversation continues to be, well, there's no point to criticize the defense because the offense is so bad and the offensive line and the quarterback play and Maggie's play, like everything's been so focused on the offense that the defense, not a lot of people have been paying attention to the fact that this defense has been steadily slipping over the last couple months. If you want to say it's injuries with, with Hicks in and out of the lineup, if you want to say it's older age, in this team is aging, so they're not playing well. Back half of the, the, you know, wanna say motivation in this defense is starting to get frustrated and quitting. There's plenty of avenues to go about why the defense hasn't been performing well. They're not getting to the quarterback. Their secondary play has not been as, as strong in the last few weeks. Where are you with this defense? Is this just a, they just need to, you know, tinker with it and it'll be fine again next year, or do you actually see some warts on this defense that are problematic?
2: You know, for the longest time, I was saying that the Bears defense would be fine if they could, you know, if the offense could get them a lead and they can, you know, get after the quarterback. But then we've seen that against the Lions and and the Bears couldn't get it done. You know, is it because of injury? I mean, the, the, the whole Quinn signing, that that's a signing for, for from a guy that thinks his, his team is ready to take that step to be a contender. You know, they, they expected the offense to be better. That's why they went on and got a pass rusher instead of keeping the football player in, in Floyd. So I just think, with the bears defense right now, it all starts in the trenches. You know, they're not getting it for the quarterback. I mean, if you're not going to get after the quarterback in this day and age, and it, it sounds strange because again, you, they have Mac. you know, they have Hicks, you know, they have a couple guys there that should be able to do it consistently. But with Mac, you know, he had, he's had, you know, he had a sack last week, but it was taken away from a penalty. He's had a few of those this year, but, but overall, Again, his production is is down a little bit as far as the numbers go. Yes, he's still making an impact on the game. He's still being double teamed. You know, he's he's still doing pretty good against the run. You know, but you know, but he's not paid a ton of money to to set the edge. You know, he's paid a ton of money to sack the quarterback, and and he's not doing it this year.
1: No, he's 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 not, and. You know, yeah, you can look at pressure rates and things like that. But like you said, the bottom line is they're not getting home. They had three guys. They figured you can't double team all of them. Someone's going to get single coverage and someone's going to get, you know, uh, you know, someone's going to get to the quarterback every, every time. It hasn't been happening. And I think that's the biggest flaw in this defense is they have not generated a consistent pass rush because when they did generate a pass rush, they had their, it's no no coincidence. They had their best performances of the year, a la the game against the Bucks, where they were terrorizing yeah. Brady in the second half. The Bucks couldn't do anything, and, and we saw what happened. So speaking of the offensive line, let's jump back to the Bears' offensive line. Let's assume the Bears going into 2021 are whether, whatever's happened up top, but the the understanding is that they really have to do massive changes, rebuild, reload, whatever you want to talk about. So let's look at the offensive line of the backups that you've seen. So not the original starting five from week one, let's just look at the backups and that, that it will include Mustafer and bars, even though they weren't part of the, you know, that original, you know, Mustafer wasn't part of that original backup group, but of those guys that have played, obviously we could put coward aside. He can go away as soon as possible. Yeah. But of the rest of them, are, are there ones on this organization right now that you say these guys need to be back in a, a
2: sub role in 2021, and I think you mentioned the guys. I mean, it's it's Mustafar, it's Bars. I think these guys have played pretty good. You know, the last few weeks. You know, I think with Mustafar, you know, right now he, from what I understand, he only plays center. Um, if he is going to come back in a reserve role. And you know, I think that, you know, you would like him to learn how to play guard as well. You know, Bars has, has played a little bit of tackle in times. He's played some guard. He's a, he's a good piece there. You know, and, and I also think a guy like, like Fetty, I mean, he's a guy that the Bears sent into a cheap one-year deal. You know, I think he showed enough where he deserves at least a, another contract to come back as and be a guy in the mix there to compete for a spot. You know, I'd like to see the Bears upgrade know everywhere where he would play where he's your guy that comes in as a reserve you know but uh, but i think you know he's a guy that can come back and if you do you bring those three guys back you know you have to add a guy to compete at left tackle you have to add a guy to actually compete at right tackle and i think you can find a couple of those guys in the draft if not free agency you know the the bears i can't see him cutting both leno and massey i know a lot of fans want to get rid of those those two guys but the way the money sets up you know from a financial standpoint it just would make no sense to cut both of them and then you look at a guy like you know, if it is a guy that comes in as a rookie at left tackle, whether it's your first or your second round draft pick, you know, you let them compete. And, and if Leno wins the job, you know, you have to roll with it. But I think at this point, Leno needs to be pushed, you know, uh, at the other side with Massey, he needs to be pushed. You know, I think there's some some things you can do to help this O-line overall, but it, it all is going to come with talent. You got to get more guys come in and, and, and again, you know, we, we talked about, you know, white here, Daniels. I mean, there's a few guys there that are, that are quality NFL offensive linemen. You just need more. You got to keep adding to that spot. I mean, it's kind of like quarter. You got to keep adding to that spot. So you have a a solid group of eight guys that you really like and the bears haven't been doing that.
1: No, they, they haven't been. And we've talked about it a lot on this podcast. The websites talk about it a lot about the, the way Ryan Pace has ignored the offensive line, you know, bears over beers. They've talked about it. There's There's a lot of, everyone saw how much the offensive line was ignored. And it's, it's, it's obviously come to a head this year and we've seen it collapse. I mean, it was, it was a bit of a problem last year as well, but you know, you brought up Leno and Massey. So let's put Leno aside because I think the way the contract is structured and, and, and where kind of Leno is Leno, I think is going to be back next year, even if he gets pushed or whatever, I think Leno's back in, in some capacity next year. I don't think cutting him makes a lot of sense. Massey is a guy that you can get out of his contract at the end of this year. Now, At the same time, people say, oh, well, then let's get rid of Massey. I don't want him. I don't want him anywhere near the team. But to replace him, you have to either draft a rookie, and you're not going to leave right tackle as a gaping hole going into the draft. You're going to have someone in place there, whether it's Massey or a free agent replacement. The issue with a free agent replacement is to replace Bobby Massey via free agency, you almost certainly have to spend an equal amount, if not yep. more, to replace him because that's the that's the going rate right for for tackles at this point. So for Bobby Massey, do you think it's worth saving money and trying to, you know, throw a bars out there or, or, or handle this in, in, in a cheap way, in essence, and then cross your fingers, you get a tackle in the draft that you think can start day one? Or is Massey at this point where the Bears are with the offensive line is, is it just most sensible to bring Leno and Massey back and see what you can do via the draft?
2: Yeah, I, I think, like I said, I mean, I, I've, I've never been as down on Massey as some guys are. I mean, Massey is you know, he is what he is. The bears know who he is. You know, he knows who he is as a player, you know, the speed rushers, they're always going to give him a hassle unless he gets his hands on you right away. You know, with Massey, he wins, you know, he doesn't win with his feet. He wins with his hands. And, and, that's, that's what Massey does for you at right tackle. And if you understand that as an offense, you know, you can work around that you can give some chip help every now and again, you can help, you know, uh, redirect the, the edge rusher, you know, to him a little better if you have to. Um, but again, you mentioned the money and, you know, getting a, a free agent, you know, you're going to be spending, you know, 10, 15 million dollars a year to bring in a, a starter. You know, that's who, what you're looking to do. You may as well just keep Massey because Massey can can give you at least one more year of service. You know, you push him with it with a rookie. You, you mentioned Alex Bars. That's an interesting name because, you know, we saw him again was preseason. You know, but we saw, we saw him play some tackling and his technique was pretty solid out there. I mean, this is a guy that was coached by Harry Heast standing in college and, and, and his first year in the NFL. You know, he, his technique has always been pretty good. That's what thing that bars has had. You know, he, he had the injury at Notre Dame. So maybe he, it just takes a little while to kind of get back with his knee to get everything right there from a physical standpoint. But if he's good physically and, and, and he understands his role at tackle, you know, maybe let him push Massey at, at right tackle.
1: Yeah, look, I, I'm open to a, any – number of suggestions as long as they've done something to infuse some some new names into this this offensive line to compete and try and grab positions let's look at the last two guys i think afedi we both agree if he's if he's a backup that's fine if he's a starter that's a major problem so let's look at whitehair and daniels let's start with whitehair because cody's had an interesting season hasn't been yeah. what, what you would expect for a guy you know making what he's making and what they expected out of him where are you with white hair? Do you think it's just kind of the entire offensive line has brought him down? Do you think his, his performance is lacking, you know,
2: where are you with white hair this year and moving forward? I mean, he had definitely I said a down year. I mean, I've seen him, you know, he's not recognized his stunts as good as as he has in the past, you know, again, you look at white here. he's moving positions a little bit, you know, maybe I'm not sure how much he's, he's doing that in practice as well, but that could be hurting him as well. I always talk about what the offensive lineman, when you have your five guys, you know, let him stay there, let them do that. I mean, that's what they do. I mean, you know, if, if he's your center, then he's your center all the time. You know, this, I understand you want to do a little bit of, of, of stuff on a position where you, where you're cross training and guys, but, but the Bears aren't good enough to, to, to do that. I mean, the Bears haven't been good enough to, to – I mean, that's a luxury. Cross-training guys is a luxury when, when you have, you know, enough talent up front and the Bears don't have enough talent up front. You know, they, you can't afford moving your best guy, which, you know, either Whitehair or Daniels, you can't afford moving them all over the place because everyone around them is bad you know so 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 you know t- t- whether it's whitehair a center next year whether he's playing guard next year you know you know figure that out let the new coaching staff get that figured out and let them roll because i think with with whitehair and daniels you have guys that can't play center or guard you know it's up to the new coaching staff or if you know if they do keep what's going on now they have to determine that and figure out the best places for these guys to play and again let them ride those spots out
1: now Daniel's obviously small sample size before the bears lost him for the year. But for me, I really liked what I saw to Daniel's yes. those first four games or so. I thought he was coming into his own. Um, he looked a lot more comfortable across the line. He was really holding his blocks. Well, what do you think of Daniel's? I, obviously the injury stinks. He's going to be going into his fourth year too. So this would have been the off season to extend him. Now. I don't know if you'd bother to do that coming off this peck injury like that, But but where are you with Daniel's? Do you think he's, developing into the guy that can kind of be that key interior offensive line guy, like a Kyle long was for this team. And let's also throw another one at you center guard for Daniels. Where do you want to see him?
2: Yeah. I've always thought Daniels would be a better fit at center, but then, you know, the way he, the way he played earlier this year at guard, I thought he was solid. I mean, he was solid at the point of attack. You know, he, he, he did add some, some, some bulk this off season. And you could see that. I mean, that showed in his play. He's always been a really, a really technically sound player. You know, come from Iowa. That's, that's what, that's, that's what happens over there. You know? So he came in with the technique, um, the mental side of things. He was a little shaky as a rookie, which is why they kind of brought him along slowly, you know, but then I thought, you know, earlier this year, he played good at guard. So I think, you know, that may be where he belongs. Um, I think he has a talent to play either or. Again, it's hard to say at this point until we see what how the roster is constructed. But wouldn't it be great if Sam Mustford really truly makes that step and becomes a legitimate starting center? Then you have White here and Daniels at your guards, and then your interior is pretty solid.
1: Yeah, interior would be solid. Let's say you bring in a solid tackle that beats either Leno or Massey. And suddenly maybe you draft another guard, you know, someone like that who can kind of push on the interior and, and and you know, third, fourth round pick that can add a little depth into the offensive line. It's not impossible. As bad as this offensive line is, there's enough bright spots and things. It's not impossible to fix this offensive line in one off season. I don't know if you could fix the offense in one off season, but you can fix the offensive line in one off season.
2: You know, I also like what I saw in, in limited act from Arlington Hambright. You know, he he played left tackle in college, so he's learning a new position in guard, but I think he played one game at guard for the Bears and, and and his feet, you know, was a little shaky at times in pass pro, but but as far as getting after you in the run game, I think he he showed a little something. And I think he may be a piece moving forward as far as as a backup spot and the no line.
1: All right, let's, let's wrap up with this Texans game. I, I don't want to spend any time on the could they should they have drafted Watson. We, we, I'll let the rest of the media do that. But I'm sure you're at a point where you don't think the Bears can make the playoffs, so you'd rather see them lose than win. But how do you see this game against the Texans playing out?
2: You know, I'm never going to actually openly root for my favorite team to lose. But if they lose, I'm okay with it. I mean, that's at this point, it is what it is as Bears fans. You know, we understand where our our, our favorite team is heading. You know, they're not heading to the playoffs. You know, I mean, they're only a game out, so I guess it could happen. But at this point, you know, I'm okay with them losing out if, if that's what it takes to get the a, a new regime, a new rebuild, a new quarterback in here, because that's what it takes. If you're going to make a, a a drastic change in the franchise. You know, make it a clean, a clean slate with with everything, and then that includes quarterback because that is the most important position in all the pro sports. So so go into it. I think Nick Foles will be back for sure because of the contract. So if Foles is your bridge guy to get in, you know in, 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 until the rookie is completely ready. I'm okay with it as long as there's some upgrades on the O line there.
1: All right, there he is. I believe his title is Senior Chief Executive Editor of Windy City Gridiron. Did I get that right? I like that. I like that one. That's that's going on the resume. <laughs> Lester Wiltfong, everybody. Lester, thanks so much for jumping on. I will talk to you soon. Anytime, Bill. Thanks. All right, there he is. Lester Wiltfong, everybody. The big boss man over at Windy City Gridiron does a great job with that website. It's it's the best Bears website in the business. There's There's no doubt about it. Very proud to be a part of it and appreciate Lester jumping on. Always good to kind of go through the offensive line. There are a lot of interesting observations and comments from Lester there. And this Bears mess, which is pretty remarkable that they've gotten to where they are after 2018 and where we were all and where the organization was at that point, where we thought this, this organization was headed. But the Bears are going to bear. And that's exactly what they've done. So... Moving ahead here for this game, we've got the Texans coming up for Chicago. Got some COVID issues. I'm assuming the Bears will, you know, figure it out and and get through all this because 99% of the time that's exactly what happens. But uh, Deshaun Watson is going to have a chip on his shoulder. He's going to want to show the Bears exactly what they passed on. And look, at this point, unless you somehow think the Bears can turn it around on the snap of a couple fingers and suddenly win four straight and potentially open the door for a playoff spot. It's in that sad reality that you need to be cheering for losses, that's where the Bears are now, cheering for losses because we need our draft position to get better because the Chicago Bears need a quarterback. We all know it. So they need to be able to catapult somewhere into that top 10 to grab the guy they want. So this game, I'm expecting the Bears to lose. Everyone should be expecting the Bears to lose. If anyone actually picks the Bears to win and somehow they do win, they didn't know what they were talking about. They got lucky. There's no reason to think this team is, is going to, to win. The defense isn't playing well. They have no quarterback. The offense looked a little bit better, but that was Detroit. This team is, is you know, again, a collapse among all collapses that we've ever seen with this team. I would expect the Bears to lose and lose... Kind of handily. I, I, I'm going to think it's going to be something around, you know, 27 to 17, something like that, two-score score defeat. I, I think the Texans win this one pretty easily. I don't even want to say I hope I'm wrong because I, I think it might be better. I don't even know where we are with this team. You just throw up your hands. Ah, bear down, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Adios.